Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. I'm James Kay, and with me as always, my partner in crime, Chris Pennant. Like we alluded to in our last episode, we are doing a series of pods this week leading up to Sky's Media Day on Saturday. And hey, Chris, guess what? What's up? The WNBA is important. And there's no one else better to talk about that than our next guest. Ari Chambers of Bleacher Report is on the line right now. Ari, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the pod today. How are you doing? That just got me high. What an intro. Yes, the WBA is so important. <laughs> Sound off. <laughs> I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there as always. You know, I feel like you own that phrase now. The WNBA is important. I mean, I feel like you got to trademark that or something. I, I have to, right? If I didn't want to get sued. But um, no. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was like four or five years ago, I just started saying it and it picked up and that was just, <laughs> it was history from there. <laughs> well, you have full ownership of that. But, you know, guys, we have a lot of ground to cover in our short time here. So let's just get into it. We were so close to having more than a full day of positive WNBA news. We were so close to getting to that. And then the news drops that Elena Deladon was denied a medical exception from the Wubble, despite that she's been dealing with Lyme disease for years. And she wrote an excellent article in the Players' Tribune about her battle with that disease. I mean, I guess the Mystics kind of cleaned up the PR mess a little bit today, saying that they would take care of Elena, and I think that she will be paid this season. But it, it does seem like a little bit of a mess that the W would put her in this position. So let's just lead off here, Ari. Give us your thoughts on this, because I couldn't believe it when I read it. So I know she's been going back and forth trying to get this cleared. Um, basically... The panel was appointed by um, the league, and it's just a set of doctors that don't necessarily represent the league, but um, they dictate who gets the medical exemptions and who doesn't. So it wasn't necessarily the WNBA saying it, 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 mm-hmm. she can't get that exemption. It was, it was the doctors hired, but it is a direct reflection of them. I personally, when I read the article from Players' Tribune, everybody's saying it added humanity to Elena, but I think it made her superwoman because – you know, before even looking at it, I thought Elena was just more than everything. Like, it, it, the work she puts in and just how she delivers and how her efficiency and everything on the court is just dope. I know about this story with her sister, too. So I just thought that was an added bonus. But then now, knowing how much she has to go through to play the game she loves, that, that just is insane to me. And this, to see Natasha Cloud step up on her behalf. Natasha's, like, one of my favorite humans. She's so audacious <laughs> in everything she does and just causing disruption. And then for the Mystics, they just seem like a good, well-rounded organization that has their players back. Like Coach T loves them. They seem to be such a group. They decide on things together. And for the Mystics to say, no, we're paying her her full salary, that's really admirable because if not, it would have been a bigger PR nightmare. I mean, it's already a nightmare now just because of the fact that it wasn't medically cleared, a condition that Elena's had for years publicly. But just to, I couldn't get past the first sentence where she said, I take 64 pills daily. Like that, that was chilling to me. Because I was just like, you never know anybody's story until they tell it. And that's just, that was just crazy. That's the same for me too, Ari. Um, I don't know if you know the the conditions around which Elena uh, went from Chicago to Washington, but there was definitely a lot of debate about, you know, her reasonings and the time she missed from the team. 
and then it was kind of an acrimonious departure on the heels of Sylvia Fowles going to Minnesota Mm -hmm. that hit uh, Sky fans with a bit of a double whammy. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that is always just stuck in my mind, even though I like I, I, I scream Elena's praise to the heavens. She played with those three herniated discs last year, which she spoke about in the article. But I think putting it in photograph, in, in film, you know, visually showing like, here's the amount of pills that I have to take every single day in order to function as a normal Just human to live. being. Right. Just and it's, it's Elena. She's 6'5". She's got large hands. Those pills filled her palms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always bring up Ricky, our, our friend Ricky Hill, but uh, Ricky is, is learned in this subject. And so they, they understand and they, they said uh, people who don't have to deal with you know, immunocompromised conditions or anything like that, autoimmune diseases, don't really get it. And that's for sure. I think it just reminded me of what she said is like, either I have to risk my life or forfeit my paycheck. Oddly enough, I think that's something that we all get as, as, as long as we're not rich, because that's basically the healthcare system that we're all stuck with. I just, I, I just don't know the grounds on which she wasn't, do you know what I mean? That is what's really unsettling to me. And what another point that has been brought up is the ambassador program that mysteriously came up on behalf of Brianna Stewart. I love Stewie, so I, I think she's a great visual, like talking head for the league. And I think that what she stands for is really dope, but why not extend that ambassador role to, to Elena in a time like this? I feel like that should, like this whole thing could have been handled a little bit more swiftly in order to not have this chaos surrounding it. It's just a matter of doing the right thing. Exactly. It's like, she's been like representing the W at its lowest points and like keeping it afloat. And I feel like at least after this decision was made that the W could have at least had a statement about this, just trying to be like, look, this was, this might be a little bit more complicated than maybe what you guys understand. And for someone like Kathy Engelbert, who has been given a difficult hand to work with in her first year as commissioner, I get it's hard to weather every storm that comes crashing to the surface, but mm-hmm. this one seemed like it only had two results and we saw how the less ideal one played out. You know what I mean? Yep. A hundred percent. And it's, it's, I don't understand how um, it got to this point. <laughs> All right. Do you think that there's some pressure either from the league or from the NBA to have the reigning MVP play with so many players opting out and this being such a precarious year? Uh, pressure regarding to making them play or? Pre- I- yeah, to like, because this, like, I agree with you both. It's not a situation where she should, where she should play. It's not a situation where she should even really be in Florida. So no, I don't think the league is trying to force her to play. I don't think that that was where they're coming from at all. In fact, I know that's not where they're coming from. It's just the doctors just said that, I guess they're just not well-versed in Lyme disease or don't know the correlation between Lyme disease and coronavirus, but because there's so many unknowns with coronavirus, um, but they're the ones who are speaking on behalf of that. I, I really feel like if it were up to the league itself, they wouldn't have necessarily said Elena play. Okay. So no, I think it's quite the opposite. I think that they would want to have their MVP's best interest at heart for based on optics alone, but it's just sad that the doctors that are in the position to make those decisions aren't in alignment with what's morally right. And that's good to know because I'm, I'm naturally a cynic. So a lot <gasps> of times in business, that's where my head goes. Like, 
people are trying to capitalize as best they can. You've met your uh, your opposite optimist here, but I just I do know how the the process is with that, and it, it what I don't think that the league wanted to get this bad press. <laughs> if nothing else, I don't think the league wanted this bad press, but it's just a matter of what's in the contract. And now, because of the way it's structured with the agreement that they had with opting in and out, she can't sign an appeal for it. I'm un- under the assumption or I've been told that she can't uh, appeal it or you know sue on behalf of it so that yeah it's a comp yeah it's so complicated but you know I am also excited for what's going to happen on the court this season too and just all the lead up going into this season um, it seems like media day for all these teams has gone extremely well so far I mean have you been a part of that at all of course I've been calling in um whenever I can, because, you know, I, I, I run a platform that covers all sports, but the W is definitely my heart. Uh, <laughs> Chicago cracked me up yesterday. We don't even have to reference that, but uh, just hearing people's sides of things, there's a wide range of emotions. We, we have the humanity that Skylar's allowing the press to see. I think that's dope. I think it's dope, the excitement of the rookies, just the the anticipation of the season starting from some of the vets. I I kind of really like the fact that we have access to them via Zoom. I wish it were in person. <laughs> yeah. But I understand the risk. Definitely. Which teams have you been able to jump on the call with so far? I'm at most of the Sparks uh, pressers. Uh, Seattle just had theirs this uh, today, earlier today, but I actually was uh, interviewing Jessica Breland today. Um, we're both in the 919 area right now. And so I had my first in-person oh, girl, girl. in a long time. Um, but we obviously distanced and we had our masks on um, because she was one of the medical opt-outs for this season. So that was really, really dope to watch her in her element. Um, I've gone to a couple of Connecticut's and New York's. And so uh, New York's an interesting one. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play. They seem to have better chemistry than a lot of other teams this season which is interesting to me because they're a really, really young, really new team. Right, but I right. think that's why they have such great energy and chemistry because they, they don't have very many expectations because this is all they know. They have nothing to lose this season. And I mean, I'm excited to see Sabrina Inescu finally suit up in a WNBA jersey. I mean, did you get to see her at all and see like how she's kind of uh, like just feel out her presence in the league already? Yeah, she seems to be focused. Her teammates seem to love her. Her coach loves her. It's just so dope to see somebody who's so uh, hyped up actually follow through with not only talent, but like uh, humility. So her teammates and her coach constantly remind us like, hey, she's, she's a team first type of player. So I'm looking forward to you know seeing her distribute the ball, really direct that team as a floor general and, and just see her go out and play. Um, I, I, I've heard their practices were energetic and fluid. So that's really exciting too. Um, but yeah, other teams, like I've heard Phoenix is really complete. Um, Mm -hmm. looking forward to them in Chicago, obviously they're stacked. So just seeing that. And then Kurt Miller's little clip yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Tap, tap, tap in. I was like, yes, Kurt, go off. And so those little (laughs) moments just give me hope. Um, for for a good positive season oh my god i died when i saw that kurt miller video just because anytime we're on press row 
I mean, he is so intense and he is yelling the entire time and his face is red. I mean, I looked at that video and I'm like, oh, okay. That's, so that's what it looks like when you are a little bit more relaxed. And yeah, no, that video <laughs> was amazing. Glad that we got to see that side of him. I, I love Kurt Miller. I think he's great. I think he's hilarious. Um, my, my highlights of a season are always him jumping up and down and me being able to see his socks. I always track like what type of socks Kurt Miller has because he has such a wide range <laughs> of socks. So yeah. Aria, right, one of my colleagues kind of described uh, this bubble thing as um, an AAU type atmosphere. And I wonder if you have that same feeling. I know you're not there, but as a, as a former college athlete, um, I'm, I'm sure that you've gone to like away, you know, away mm -hmm. camps. Does it kind of seem like the players and their families are, are, have that same feel to them? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the players, I'm not going to say they're having the time of their lives because nobody wants to be trapped in a bubble, <laughs> but I think that they're making the most of it. You see when, like, uh, Allie Quigley walked us through her villa and, you know, you had Stephanie Dolson there and Quinny um, Vanderslew and Gabby Williams, and it's just it's just fun to see them. I heard Chicago's been biking together, so that's really freaking cute. Then you walk down the street and you see players at the pool, you know, just chilling. And it's almost kind of like fun, right? You don't have to worry about travel. Everybody's in one place and you just get to live it up with your homies. <laughs> it's, it's odd. It kind of like I'm, I'm in roller derby. I'm involved with flat track roller derby. And when you say stuff like that, it reminds me of just being at roller derby tournaments that, that it's like a weekend thing typically. But you get that. People hang out, like go to dinner, mm -hmm. um, and you like hang out in a hot tub if there's a hot tub. And it's cool. It's organic. Like mm -hmm. there's always that one team in the NBA that takes the subway to a Nets game. Yep. But it always felt really <laughs> forced and kind of public relations. Mm -hmm. So this seems a lot more organic in that sense. It is. I mean, they're, they're, at bare minimum, for mental health reasons, you have to look at the upside of things. Yeah. And I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're able to see each other. They're able to, you know, access the gyms when needed and then chill when not. And it's it, the, all the facilities and amenities are open. So why not make the most of it? I want to kind of downshift um, relative to the to the timbre of what we've been talking about, because the 12 days of W uh, lineup came out a few days ago. And I don't want to delve into anything uh, personal, but I know you had a lot to say about which outlets were chosen. Mm -hmm. And that rang true for me. And I think for James as well. And a lot of other people, obviously, who uh, spoke on that what you know it, and the aftermath of that what's what's your perspective on how media relations I think is kind of changing with the WNBA as the league gets more profile well I, I do want to say that I think that it's dope that bigger outlets do want to um, cover the W I think it's equally important to show love to the ones who've been loyal for a long time I remember a couple years ago at a WNBA All-Star of the past, it was maybe five of us there. And to mm -hmm. see how much our game has grown, like exponentially, like exponentially, um, to see how many people want to cover it, that's really freaking dope. Uh, I tr like I said, I try to look to the upside of things. That day was absolutely miserable for me for more than one reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to revisit that feeling because it really did cause me a lot of pain. But I, a lot of times, am very vocal about things like that because I see smaller outlets over here grinding it out. Me, myself, when I first started, I was paying 5000 a season out of my pocket 
to cover games. Like I'm talking about like the back then I was a cheerleader. So I would have a Knicks game, say come October when NCAA media um, was happening at ESPN. So I would have a game till like 1130 at night, leave MSG, wake up at 2 a.m. to rent a car at in New Jersey to drive to Connecticut by eight o'clock just to cover women's sports. And, and the WNBA too, like just taking those buses to Mohegan Sun or taking uh, a train to Westchester where the Liberty was or taking mm -hmm. a train down in DC just to get these stories out. And I know a lot of other independent writers and journalists and on-camera talents do the same. So it's just, I, I do think the league itself has a gatekeeping issue. Everybody's experience is different, but I just want to get to a point where at bare minimum we're respected. Yeah. And currently there are issues with that and we, we've seen it play out on to Like it's literally there to see. Um, and that, if I have to take, be the punching bag for that, that's fine. But I'm never going to shut up about people being respected and, and actually treated the way they need to be treated. Absolutely. And I think the thing that, you know, I've kind of, I felt your frustration that day and I'm sorry you had to go through all of that, but the thing that really bothered me is that I feel that a lot of people have this misunderstanding that you need a blue check mark next to your Twitter handle to do oh, journalism. Check Twitter. You know, like I understand like why WNBA players are frustrated when bigger outlets completely ignore this product that really has a chance to thrive if like given the opportunity to do so. And that includes having better media coverage. Yeah, I, I recognize that. But I also hope that the players recognize some of these independent outlets like Windsider, shameless plug. Oh, my but, God. I love Arya. I love you guys. Like Windsider, I learned from Windsider. Weekly. Yeah. Weekly, that podcast really helps me learn the game. Rachel is one of my good friends. Dope. Even Rachel's like the best. like the next hoops, that's where who I write for. That's who gave me my first opportunity. It was Hypo Hoops. Dope. Uh, you have independent writers like Erica Ayala, Lindsay Gibbs, like Kelsey Trainer. Uh -huh. These people are really the the grassroots pushing the league forward, and we can't ignore that. I know that the players know who's really down for them. That's honestly why I stay in the game, if you want to mm -hmm. keep it a buck. That's what keeps me going no matter what amount of disrespect I might get from an office. A player is going to reach out to me and be like, hey, Ari, keep going. We need you here. And that's so humbling to me. They know who's down for them. They know who they want to speak to. Um, again, the gatekeeping doesn't come from them. So I and, – and then a lot of team PRs are really excellent. Like – we're, we're on Chicago podcast. Like, Kelly's great. Yeah. She's great. Eli's great. Annette's great. Alicia's great. Like, Ketsy is great. Like, they, they can – the team PR is really, really excellent, too, in responding – or a lot of times, at least my personal experience, has been great to, to try to get us the access they, that I can get. But, um, yeah, I, the players know. They know who's been down for them. And that, that – um... That definitely answers what I was what I was wondering because it seems like as the profile grows and one more major media outlets are finally noticing and sending reporters or putting their coverage out, and also I think there's an adjustment for players too as there's you know there's more microphones there's more spotlights in your eyes when you're winding down after a game at a press conference. I was I think it was wondering or, or seeing a bit of a shift and I've only been around here for five, you know, five years or so. 
on full-time coverage during mm -hmm. the season. But it is good to know that, like, the individuals in within the team and the individual players are still – they're not, I think, growing out of things. Yeah. They're not – they're remaining grounded, it sounds like, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean – Loyalty means a lot. And these players have, especially the, the vets, have seen when they don't get covered. And they've seen who's been, like, really hitting the ground running, running for them. Again, everybody's situation is very different. And I know, like, personally, I have access to a lot of things that a lot of other people don't. So I don't want to speak blanketed on behalf of them and saying, like, oh, it's not, it's not hard at all because it, it really is. But as far as players, they see. And they're also frustrated when these bigger companies step in and only cover, cover the negative stories. Yeah. You see them running the video of the worm on Complex. You see them running the video of the worm like on any given TV station when it came out. And I think that's just, that's just a mis like, it's misleading regarding what they're experiencing as a whole and the progress that we've made as a league. Well, Ari, we're approaching the 20-minute mark here. And again, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a pleasure. Before we let you go, though, you got to give us your thoughts on the Chicago Sky team. Like, where do you see them going in 2020? And where they rank against the other elites in the WNBA? Oh, they're definitely a top four team for me. Definitely a top four. They, they haven't lost much, um, considering, especially comparatively. They, they're, they finished the season last year <laughs> – with unfinished business, with a chip mm. on their shoulder, right? So that's how they're going to be playing this year. Um, I'm a huge fan of Diamond DeShields. Been a huge fan of her since her UNC days. I just love the confidence of it all. And and I know that they're, they, they pick up on each other's traits and confidence. And I think that as far as well-roundedness, they're, they're pretty deep. They're pretty um, balanced in, in bet in, in young player uh, roster situations. Um, yeah, so they're another team that has great chemistry, that has great athleticism, that uh, is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, and I and I guarantee you they're going to be top four. That's that's high praise. I think you're the first person that I've seen or heard that we've had on who said the sky, who described the sky as stacked. And you know, James is much more. We're both fans of the team. James is much more optimistic about. I think what they're capable of. Like I said, I'm a cynic. That's just who I am. <laughs> But the chips definitely fell right for them, as unfortunate as it may be for the for the entire league. But still, I don't think I'd heard anybody describe them in that in that fashion. Like top four is, you know, it's like fifty fifty at a at a finals berth. Well, yeah, I um I, I stand firmly in that. Especially like look who they have they have Quigger Sloop, Vander Quigs, whatever y'all call them. I just I never know whichever day. They have Diamond. They have Cheyenne, who's getting better by the year. They have Gabby's athletic self. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's up and down, well-rounded, and as a team, they're whole. I think Phoenix has a really, really uh, complete team, too. Um, can't count out Connecticut because they have this new big three. It's, you know, in the Sparks, you never can count out the Sparks. You just never know with them. True. Um, but those are those are my top four. I, I don't know how Seattle's going to play. Yeah. Um, that, that might be the one that maybe pushes Chicago to fifth, but I, I think that they have solid top four potential. Well, Seattle's still my number one pick. That oh. if you, on paper, defensively, they just aren't, like, they give me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, but like I said, I'm, I'm like, 
a little biased too toward them because I'm Diamond DeShield's biggest fan and I have no idea why. Why not? But like, <laughs> I was I, like, that's that's UNC, NC State, you know, that's well, rivalry. Well, that's a rival. That's a rival. I was like, that's um, rivalry there. I've always, no, I've just literally always loved her demeanor. I think she's a an athlete, just like a flat out athlete. Um, sure. In a well, I think she's a superstar. Like her personality is a superstar. I think that like her skill set, like it's just, she, we don't talk about Diamond DeShields enough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys can keep sleeping on this team. I think this is really – this team is ready. This team is so ready to go make a championship run. But um, I guess we'll leave it right, we'll leave it there. Ari, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Um, we were so excited to do this, and, uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Ari for joining us on the podcast. And also – for Madeline for joining us the day before. I mean, they were just amazing, and I'm so glad that we could connect with those two because they were an absolute treat. And if you want to hear more from us at the Skyhook, you can always do so by finding us on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review the show if you get a chance. And if you want to contact me or Chris, you can do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Mailbag at gmail.com. And also on Spotify, subscribe to the Windsider Podcast Network, a lot of great shows covering every team in the WNBA. So if you're looking for more than just Sky content, you can find it all there. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time.